Hello everyone and welcome back to the Full Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Gillian McMichael. Today we are continuing our exploration into transformation with an episode that I'm sure many people will resonate with. The majority of us change careers multiple times throughout our lives, but as we age, the idea of a career change begins to look not only scary, but impossible. However, in a time when our happiness, joy and life are so wrapped up in our careers, sometimes the only way to find our most authentic and happy selves is to pursue the change. So how do we navigate this transformation? My guest today is Laura Sheehan. Laura was a US lawyer when she followed her husband overseas to support his career. What followed was a life in eight different countries and four continents. With each move, Laura changed her professional identity. She had to navigate her evolving identity, let go of the sadness that came with ending her career as an attorney, and discover that her experiences were instead a part of her journey and development. This required learning who she was and discovering the beauty in letting go of who we imagined ourselves to be. Today, Laura is a career coach, guiding individuals in their own career journey. Her question, if you could do anything, what would it be? Has led many individuals to have transformative career shifts. And perhaps after listening to Laura's story, it will spark a transformation for you too. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Laura, to the Full Circle Finding Your Way Home podcast. I'm delighted that you're here today and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So the topic for our conversation today is navigating a midlife career change. So first of all, how are you feeling about our conversation? Great. Thank you so much for having me on today, Gillian. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really glad too. So you've had such an interesting career and life so far, and um, you've successfully navigated the challenges of finding employment in seven countries over a span of 15 years. But before we get into that, you trained to become a lawyer. So could you tell me a little bit more about your drive and motivation to becoming a lawyer? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this because launching on that career track is something that I'm not sure that I thought enough about before I did it. And it was really a combination of factors that led me down that path. One, of course, having parents and a family that were very intent on making sure that I as a woman, especially growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, was able to, a woman who was able to take care of myself financially and from a career perspective and take care of anyone else that that needed my care, whether it be my significant other or children. So a lawyer is a job that is easily recognizable as something that has that job stability, that financial success element. So that was one component of my being drawn to the career. I think more importantly, though, was my desire to find some kind of path that would allow me to help other people. And I think whenever you speak to most lawyers or attorneys, whatever niche or practice area they are in, that is primarily what drives any of us is to to help others in some capacity. And so you studied and you qualified and moved into then becoming a lawyer. Right. Well, and I guess when you say studied too, that was another, so here in the States, we do the, you know, we have our undergraduate degree and mine was in philosophy. And my father, of course, <laughs> kept asking me, Laura, 
what are you going to do with that when you graduate? <laughs> so that was another <laughs> logical next step was going from the, you know, the art of thinking and speaking into the actual practical nature of doing both. And so when you came out of that, did you then have to go and do the bar and things like that? Is that what had to happen yes. then? Mm-hmm. Right. So four years of undergraduate, three years of law school, and then you sit for the bar. Yep. Amazing. So how many years in total did you study for before then becoming a fully fledged lawyer? It takes seven years of schooling right. to get through. Wow. Yeah. And then what happened after that? Because I know I'd read and seen and we've spoken, hadn't we, that you then after a year into your career, I think you then kind of got the opportunity to travel. Right. Well, I had met my husband when we were in college and we continued our relationship on and off throughout law school. When I graduated, I had secured a full-time job at a great law firm up in the DC area. I knew that he was up in the same city and so we were going to be geographically co-located. He, at the time, was figuring out his employment and was pursuing a role with the U.S. government. And so we just weren't sure how it was going to really shake out. And so a year into uh, my practice as an attorney, which was also coincidentally a year after we had been married because we got married shortly after I graduated from law school, he got his first overseas assignment as a diplomat. And so I had the choice of staying with the law firm in DC by myself or accompanying my husband overseas to his first assignment. And so I chose the latter. (laughs) Amazing. So how did it feel? Because I know when I've studied for things, you know, you put your heart and soul into it. You kind of get yourself settled into that, the role that you think you're going to be doing and so forth. And so what was it like for you to, to work away from what you'd worked so hard for? Thankfully, I think I'd had some, I mean, I had enough time to slowly process the possibility of making a big change like that. The other thing looking back was that at the time, I didn't think that I was walking away from it. I was convinced that as a lawyer, I would be able to find employment wherever I went because lawyers exist worldwide. So I just figured it was a matter of time and a matter of persistence and so I set out with this conviction that something was going to happen, although I had no idea what. So really optimistic and quite excited about the, the possibilities. Correct. Maybe naively so, <laughs> but it ended up working out. <laughs> and so when you went and then started to travel with your husband for that first year, you know, what was it like those first few months? And I don't mean this to sound derogatory in a way, but as a diplomat's wife, how, how was it for you? You know, the first year overseas was great. Um, It was a big time of adjustment, and I think everything was so new and so different that it was like an extended vacation, right, where you're just trying to get your feet under you and and figure out how to exist in another culture and, you know, with another language, far, far away from friends and family and any kind of support that you know. It was really in the second year and the second tour overseas that – that I started to kind of get into a rhythm and knew generally what to expect on a day-to-day basis. And really then that's when it started to sink in. That's when I started to feel as though I had left something behind and that I had potentially sacrificed my career and my professional identity to follow my husband overseas. And did any feelings or any thoughts come up around that stage for you? Yes, many. There, you know, it's a very tumultuous time in terms of being excited to be overseas, having those travel adventures and experiencing as many new things as possible. But then also really in the back of your mind, thinking about the longer term and wondering how this is going to play out, wondering 
you know, is this, is this all for me? Is this it? And did you manage to find work as you were moving around in these different locations? I did. It was not ever that it landed in my lap, but that it was a very purposeful search for how to be of best use in that particular location and at that given time. So maximizing opportunities that were present and trying to find ways to be of value to the community in which I was at the time. So how did you go about doing that? Because I've worked abroad myself and I found it quite challenging and maybe it was different, but, but I was traveling on my own. So I found it quite difficult sometimes to, to break through and to get into the community and to really understand, you know, how I could add value or to, to, to contribute. So how did you go about doing that? Yeah, you're right. Good point. It really is hit or miss. And I mean, as you pointed out too, it's connecting with your community and it's also some of the administrative hurdles that you have to overcome in many places with diplomatic status, we're not permitted to work on the local economy. So in that sense, you have to figure out how to work within the diplomatic community, within the embassy community, even more specifically, um, or sometimes just not work at all. Now today, given the internet and the, you know, the number of remote work opportunities that exist. I think that there are a myriad of opportunities that are available that weren't present at the time that I was traveling. But it's a lot of just trying and experimenting and seeing what sticks and what doesn't, going out and having as many conversations as possible with as many people as possible, being open to the possibilities, looking for ways to apply your skills and your experiences that may not necessarily match with the title. But for example, as a lawyer, I know that I have writing and research skills, you know, analytical skills that maybe some, that I've been trained to be able to, to leverage in various circumstances. And so persuading people that I had the ability to do a job that required writing or research, for example, um, or advocacy of any kind, organization, project management, all the different ways that you can apply the skills that you've learned in your initial trade or calling. And I think that's the good thing, isn't it, is to recognize those transferable skills as you've described, and then to see how you can put those into practice. So obviously, you've had lots of different experiences and went to lots of different countries. But when you started to think about your career and perhaps the thing that you'd left behind and then thinking about your career in in that moment. Tell me a little bit more around some of those thoughts and feelings that came up for you and how did you start to navigate yourself around some of those those thoughts? Right. Well so I think a lot of a lot of us who move around as often as as I have begin to view our careers as almost like ugly patchworks of unrelated, seemingly unrelated experiences where you say, okay, well, in this location, I did this. And then in this location, I did this completely other thing. And then in this third location, I did this other job. And it doesn't seem to go together. And it seems as though you're kind of just taking jobs, catches, catch can. And a real turning point for me was recognizing, realizing, embracing, I would say, the fact that all of those experiences had common threads running together and that instead of an ugly patchwork each of us is actually creating a unique tapestry that's woven over time and to be able to build one experience off the last is the best way to be able to continue moving forward and it makes it much more um much more exciting much more 
positive and optimistic than to think that every single time you're starting over. Instead, if you think about every time, single time you're building on what you've already created and to be um, eager and you know with anticipation to see what the next stage or the next place or location time in your life is going to reveal. I love that idea of that tapestry, actually, and the, the, the richness of all those different contributions as you're going through your time and experiences. It sounds lovely. So, and actually really, I think, quite meaningful in many respects in terms of just your experiences also that you've, you've had in those locations and, and the things that you did. So tell me then, um, what was the changing point when you thought, actually, I'm going to do something different, something more for maybe yourself, if that's okay to say? Yeah, I mean, it's never it's never just one moment, but I'd say that in short succession, there were two events that happened in my life. One was that I had been so fortunate as to, at, at one point, secure a job working for a very small virtual law office. And it was revolutionary at the time because most law offices insisted that you have brick and mortar building and that you be in person all the time. And this law firm was founded on the concept that we wanted to be present to our families and it was all women. And so when I had the opportunity to move again, the law firm said, yeah, sure. You know, you can continue working from wherever you are. This is great. No problem. It's a seamless transition. Of course, we'll have a time difference to manage, but that that'll be fine. Well, we actually did such a great job with that practice that the law firm was bought out by a larger law firm. And when that larger law firm went down the roster of attorneys on the the list, they got to my name and they said, she's, she's where? And again, went back to that closed mindset of not knowing quite how to put me into the, the box that they needed me to be in. And so let me go. And I thought, oh gosh, okay, here we go again. Now what? And it was in the middle or to actually towards the end of our time in this particular location. And so I, I knew that it was not worth my time or energies to launch a new job search in that particular location. So I turned my sights to the, the onward posting, which happened to be Hanoi, Vietnam. And I started looking for job opportunities that were there and found a few, started pursuing them. And then once we landed in country, immediately started, you know, the networking activities that we all go through to try to connect ourselves. But then also I had two school-aged children at the time and um, wanted to make sure that they had a few friends, a few familiar faces for that first day of school. And so got together a group of of mothers and their daughters, and we all had a lunch. And all of these mothers, it turned out, were full-time employees of various organizations. And I started asking them all about their career paths and how they had come to be where they are and how in the world they managed full-time careers with kids and with all the moves and everything else. And in the course of conversation, it eventually turned to me and they said, well, you know, what about you? What's, what, what are you doing? And I started lamenting the fact that here I was again, starting things over and gosh, what I was going to do, I didn't even know. And feeling very resentful and angry about how things had turned out by that point in my life. And one of them, one of the women looked at me and just stopped me in my track and said, well, Laura, if you could do anything, what would it be? And the question blew my mind because number one, it was focused on me. If I could do anything and those words, those three words, me, well, I and could and anything really shifted my entire mindset from all of the things that I had felt were holding me back 
whether it was other people, my husband's job, the fact that we only had limited control over where we would move and where we would not move, um, the timelines of those moves, etc., to all the things that could be, all of the possibilities that were out there, all the ways that I could direct and influence the way forward. And I had been thinking since the time that I had been laid off from that law firm about what the common threads in my experiences had been and how I had worked so hard on finding so many different jobs that I had really become an expert in resume writing and job searching and interviewing and all the various components of of essentially career coaching. And I wanted to be able to help other people navigate these obstacles, these hurdles, and we'll call them challenges, and not have to go through the same hardships that I did to just, let's just bypass those. Let's get get around those and let's just jump right into the fun of the job search. And so it was with that question that that woman so wonderfully posed, challenging me to change my perspective, that I was able to do so. And I immediately answered her in that way. I said, you know, if I could do anything, I think I'd be a a career coach and strategist helping other people not have to go through what I have over this span of time. And then of course, miracle of miracles or the way that the universe works, I'm not really sure. She said, well, there's a job that does that. And in fact, there's a vacancy right now. And that was really what, what launched my next career phase. Unbelievable. I always find it's interesting. You just mentioned that the universe, I'm sure that sometimes we get posed those questions that are kind of those catalyst moments, like those kind of tipping point moments where things then start to fall and align. And it sounds to me that's exactly what's happened. And so hence, is that when your transformation started to take place? And that's, tell me more then about the next phase of that journey. Yeah, that, you know, it really did, Jillian, because the next thing that I had to do was let go of the title lawyer and all of the many law books, literally, that I had been lugging around the world, heavy, heavy, both physically and mentally, emotionally, you know, holding, carrying, carrying this, 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 you know, expectation of myself that I was going to be the the traditional lawyer in every place that we lived. And so being able to tell myself, it's okay to do something different, to, to, turn a little bit on this path to build in a different way than what I had expected when I was in my 20s. And then to to literally release the materials, the physical materials that I had been carrying around with me and freeing up that space, both in the home office and in my mind, allowed me to really embrace all that I had done, let go, letting go of the the ideas of all the things that I thought I should be doing or should have accomplished by that point in my life and celebrating all of the things that I, that I had accomplished and the ways that I had been moving forward. So once I was able to do that, then I, I did, I, I immediately signed up for a coaching certification course. I got the job that this woman had been telling me about as a, um, an, an employment advisor for the Department of State in a contractual capacity where I immediately inherited hundreds of clients, all diplomatic spouses like myself in the uh, East Asia Pacific region and got to start traveling, talking to people, helping them realize what resources were out there, what they could be doing to move themselves forward, and then expanding that from the diplomatic community to the expat community at large. It was really, it was an exciting, a really exciting time in life. 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, sometimes it's not always as, e- you know, it's not easy, is it, to let go of, especially when you've, like you said, you've been carrying metaphorically, <laughs> you know, the books around and everything else with you and, and the whole connection to, I suppose, the label and the title that comes with the lawyers, you know, in terms of that. And so, so did you find any challenges around that or did you just lean in more to the opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I think there were challenges along the way that then I understood why they were challenges. I mean, for example, every time you move, when you meet someone new, you say, hi, I'm Laura. And they say, oh, hi, Laura, what do you do? And then you're kind of rendered speechless for a moment if you're in between jobs or you're not really sure what you're going to be doing in that particular location. And so you find yourself introducing yourself in relation to other people. I'm the wife of, I'm the mother of, I'm, you know, here with X community or X organization. And really for me, being able to say I'm a lawyer was a great source of comfort because then it immediately let people know my level of education, my ability generally, my um, professional capabilities and not introducing myself as a lawyer but switching that to saying something to the effect of, hi, I'm Laura, I'm here now looking for great opportunities. or, And, and even then I'd say once I became a certified coach and putting myself out there is that introducing myself as a coach, because at the time it was also a profession that people were still really kind of wrapping their minds around and, um, and helping people understand and get excited about that opportunity as well. So the job then as the career strategist and, and kind of supporting that wider community of, of trailing spouses, how did you approach that work? And, and I suppose how important do you think that work was at the time and still is? I mean, I guess in terms of approach, I, I think I just jumped right in. I think once I knew that that was what I was going to do next, I was 100% invested and was devouring books and materials and talking to as many people as I could to learn as much as I could. And the the greatest gift I think I've received from this part of the journey is exactly what I wanted it to be, helping other people recognize their inherent value, see that all the things that they've been doing mean something and have been moving them forward. I'd say most of the people with whom I work up until now have been women in their 30s and 40s, typically who have a few children at home, left the workforce, whether to follow their significant other or to to care for children, and really came to believe that they had been doing nothing with their lives, which is, of course, the, the opposite of true, and helping them to see that everything that they've done is something of value that can be, if embraced, brought to the forefront as another stepping stone that's bringing them to be the full person that they are today. And so I think that all of this work, helping, having these conversations through you, wonderful Jillian, where you're letting people know that they're not alone, that everybody has these feelings, that we all hit these walls at some point in our lives where we should learn from other people's stories, ask for advice, give each other support, know that asking for help is something that um, is not only needed, but just amazingly transformative along the way. And so 
Yeah, it's it, all coaching work, I think, is important work. Any any work that we can do where we're bringing our full selves to the forefront is is what I love to be able to help people do. I couldn't agree more. I'm kind of all smiling here as you're speaking, as you're talking about this. It's amazing. So I know that now you're back in the US, though, aren't you? You've come back to the DC area and you're now coaching and supporting new lawyers or, or those who are coming out of graduation, but also those who are wanting to transition in their career. Do you want to just tell us a little bit more around the work that you're doing now? Yeah. No, Jillian, I mean, the title of your podcast is perfect for me right now in my life because I have, I feel, come full circle. I, as, as you noted, started out as a lawyer, have tried so many different ways of applying that education and that skill set to a variety of jobs, professions over the last 20 years. In fact, this year is is the 20th anniversary of my graduating from law school and taking the bar. And when we knew we were coming back to the D.C. area, I I did start looking for for new roles. I wasn't really sure how it was going to play out. And it's just the cost of living is so much higher here than in a lot of places that we've lived that I knew still with, with kids in school that we needed to have a second really stable income coming in. And this job popped up for me on December 1st of 2020. And within two hours, I had submitted my application because I knew that it was the job for me. And I was beyond thrilled, blown away that I got the job a couple months later, started working from our last location overseas. And I I feel like it's the perfect fit for me right now where I am able to help the law students who are, are graduating under really difficult circumstances right now with COVID and having had to learn remotely for the last year or longer, not having had the same ability to have the traditional law firm or law-related experiences because so many businesses shut down during COVID, um, that they have gaps on their resume just like I did, just like most of my clients did. And being able to bring to them a creative approach to a job search when they're starting out and being able to deliver to them a message of hope that your law degree is fungible, can be applied to so many different you know, types of situations. You can take it to all different you know, types of roles and, and whatnot. That yes, I, I feel like I am in the perfect place for myself, for the students right here, right now. And yes, also to be able to help alums who are later in their careers, realizing, as COVID has helped many of us do, that we're not in the right role right now, that we need more balance, that we need to be able to focus on what's important to us and to maintain, you know, to be true to our core values. And so helping them transition from whatever path they're on to the path that they want to be is another honor that I feel like I have right now. No, it's amazing. And it's interesting just the things that you're saying there, because I was going to just kind of jump in there with a couple of kind of career transition questions, really, because I think I'm curious to hear your thoughts with your expertise. But from my own experience, you know, what I'm noticing is that sense of traditional being a role for years and years, decades upon decades, you know, when you have a job for life, you know, we're moving into, well, we have been moving, haven't we, into a different phase of that where that doesn't kind of exist in as much as it once did and so therefore you know people are looking for different roles and so I just wondered from your expertise and your knowledge you know what can you share about that because are you feeling the same and getting the same experience I would imagine you are 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, I'm so grateful that we've come to a stage now almost where we, where we do have the ability to switch and where there isn't a stigma attached as, as you know, or as, as deep a stigma attached, I guess, in changing things throughout your, your career, throughout your professional life. And it's interesting because in some conversations, there's a debate about whether or not you really have career changes or job changes, right? I mean, and there's the statistic that you we, we spoke about before, I believe that the average person has between 12 and 14 career changes, but whether that's a career change or a job change, it's really, I think for me, that it's more of a professional journey and that looking at how we're building on our past experiences, our education, all of the unique skills and strengths that we bring to bear, how we're bringing that forward and how we're, we're maximizing that, that flow, if you will, of our professional development overall. Um, then in that sense, I guess you could have one career, but really have it be a variety of different things along, along the way. Um, or to have a complete, you know, go take a, a hard right, you know, a, a 90 degree turn on your path and have that be all right too. I was speaking to someone the other day about, she was, she's working in the government and she wants to get out. And so she's the, the natural thing that she immediately thought of was going into government contracting. So basically doing the same type of thing, but in a different environment. And I posed the same question to her that was posed to me. Well, if, if you could do anything, what would it be? And she said, you know, if I could do anything, it would really be getting into health coaching. I said, well, why aren't you doing that? And she said, well, how in the world would I, how in the world would I go about doing that? Well, I said, well, what are you, I'm sure you're involved already in the healthcare industry in some capacity. I mean, if this is one of your passions, I mean, don't you, I'm sure you are a member of groups that you're in certain circles that do this kind of thing. She said, well, yeah, I am. Tap into those circles you know, ask them how you might be of service. How might, how might you become a, you know, a leader in that particular organization or in that set of, of professionals? And I'm so excited to see how that's going to work out for her. And I think it's so interesting because I think people can get quite nervous around that thinking, gosh, this is a huge transition. This is a big shift. It's a big change. How on earth am I going to break into that new sector or that different type of role for me? And I think that question that you've asked is one that I'll be asking as well. So I'm going to take that and steal Please. that if that's possible. Because yes. I think it's a wonderful question because I think often we put so many blockers and obstacles in our own way that stop us from thinking that big picture. And actually, we and, and we can make the changes if we if we wish or if we decide to look a bit beyond what we currently know. Absolutely. And I think... For me, it was instrumental, and for I do this with a lot of my clients too, to go back and look at the past to see what current, you know, what trends, what themes are running through all of the things that you've been doing. What ha- what did bring you here to this place, to this time? How did you end up making, you know, the the progress that you did along the way? And then really opening up the possibilities, dreaming about all the things that could be, and allowing yourself to then think, well, what's holding me back? Why shouldn't I pursue that dream? What really are the financial commitments? What really is the time that I need to invest in order to make that happen? Who do I already know that's doing it? What's the first step that I could take to get myself closer to that dream? And then it's amazing to see how how quickly you really can get there. 
And so I suppose there is no age limit, is there, on career journeying or career change or even just career transition? And as you said, it might not just be about career, but it could be just about job change as well in terms of the the change of title and the responsibility. But would you say from your experience that, you know, realistically at any age we should consider asking ourselves that question if we're not happy in our roles? I mean, of course I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But then also I will acknowledge 100% that it can be more difficult the farther along we are on our path. And I think the one big factor that I've seen in making transitions later in life, in your 40s and your 50s, is whether or not you have the financial resources to be able to do that. If money is not your immediate concern in terms of making a job change or a job shift, it's a lot easier to be creative and to be relaxed about the process. If you need a job to have money coming in, to have a roof stay over your head, to um, keep your kids in school, then it's a very different process. And um, and it's, it's a lot harder to be able to go outside of yourself, go outside of those societal confines and and give yourself the freedom to do something when you have that financial necessity. So, and I've, I've worked with clients on both ends of the spectrum and, um, and in the end, it's always worked out in great ways, but there's a lot less stress involved if there's a cushion underneath you to begin with. And so thinking about career change, what other things do you think people should be considering? Cause you've just shared some good insights there to, to, to some aspects of that, but any other tips or advice that you could give that might be useful if people are thinking about maybe not doesn't have to be complete and utter career transformation, but people are kind of on that brink of wanting to take that leap, but perhaps are just not sure. What things would you give them tips to consider? That's a great question. I feel like there are so many different ways to go with that because I think if you have a dream and and you have clarity on that, if you know what you want to do then drilling down on what really would it take for you to just go and do it is something that really helps people make that first step. If you are just generally unhappy and aren't really sure with how you could improve your your happiness, how you can improve your job satisfaction, then I think you take a step back. And that's when you do more of those self-reflective exercises whether it's asking yourself or, or you know, detailing your ideal day, literally from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, what you're wearing, where you are, who you're with, what type of work you're doing, what you're having for lunch, whether or not you're exercising you know, down to the minute how your ideal day would be and thinking then through what can I do in my current role or what would I need to do to get closer to that ideal day Um, Or a a bigger picture, I also like to use a timeline exercise where you go back and, I mean, it seems so simple, but it's so powerful where you literally just draw a line across a piece of paper and plot your proudest moments, your perceived failures, and your pivot points. And from those, you see your innate strengths and talents, the things that you are meant to bring to bear to this world the places where maybe you need to fill some gaps or build some bridges, and also your core values, those things that if you don't stay true to those, that you will never feel happy or fulfilled. And 
I love to use the appreciative inquiry method with my with my clients where we first do that discovery process of looking back, doing some drilling down really on on where you want to go, then dreaming about all the possibilities and then designing a plan, plan of action to really you know, move forward and then doing it and having that accountability factor to move forward. So the four D's of the appreciative inquiry method, I think are are very helpful along with just those, I think, general exercises of your ideal day and the timeline exercise. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's going to be really useful for the listeners. It's certainly kind of stimulated some thinking for me as well. So just before we start to wrap up, just one, a couple more questions, if that's okay. And I was curious because, you know, a successful career, it seems like, I don't know, it seems different these days. Certainly the people that I'm talking to and very similar to, to maybe some of the clients that you might be speaking to, maybe want more of a purpose, more of an experience rather than just the job title. And I just wondered from your own experience, what's coming through for you or any advice on that you could give or share? Yeah, you know, I think two things. One is, as you were just talking, Jillian, the first thing that popped into my mind was a great quote, and I think it was from Theodore Roosevelt, but it could have been from a myriad of sources. And that is that comparison is the thief of joy. And that whenever you're looking for success on the grounds of what other people deem is successful, whether it's the size of your house, whether it's the, you know, year of your car, whether it's the number of diamonds that you have on your hand or the number of children you have, whether or not you're married, um, to whom you're married, all of those things, you really have to turn inward and just be honest with yourself about what is important to you. And then once you do that, to fully embrace it. And I would say that especially with with stay-at-home moms, parents, stay-at-home parents who have chosen to leave the workforce to care for children. One of the things that I hear over and over and over again is that they've done nothing and they feel very insecure around people who have stayed on the career track and have not left. And they feel like they're they're not successful. And when they're re-entering, they say things like, oh, I'm, I'm just a mom or I'm just a stay-at-home parent. And I my first thing to say is you're not just anything. You are a mom and that's amazing. And look at all the things that you've done as a mom and look at all the ways that you've grown and look at all the things that you've done in your community and how are you going to put that to use moving forward? And when you have that ownership, when you're embracing, it was important to me to take this time off and that's why I did it, then there's no need to feel embarrassed about what you're doing next or what you have done in the past. You are moving forward. This is you and and here I am now. And I guess that's the second message is to be present in the present. What it what is it about this time in your life, this location, physically, this opportunity where you can bring value. It's not about all the things that you could have done. It's about where you are now, all the ways that you've grown up until now, and the value that you have to bring as the person that you are today. It's really just struck something there as she was talking. For me, it just reminds me of helping your clients go to that place of knowing. So not what they think they should have been doing or where they think they should be. It's also about helping them tune into what do they know about themselves? So what can they bring to this you know, environment? What can they bring to their next role or whatever that might be? And I think absolutely to really remind people of 
all of their experiences because all of that brings something into the mix of when they're going to be hopefully finding their next opportunity or, or, or a role that may be more suitable to them today. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all what you have. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. So I know um, you have a fabulous TED Talk and I just want to mention that because I saw you doing your TED Talk in Hanoi um, and you did a, it was called, it was on career change, the questions you need to ask yourself now and then ask yourself. So I just wondered if it's okay, I can point people to the direction of your TED Talk, but where else could they find you if anybody else wanted to, to find out more about what you do, Laura? Oh, sure. Probably the best place is LinkedIn. And my name on LinkedIn is Laura-EP-Sheehan. And my consultancy was in large part focused on empowering perspectives. So that's the E and the P, which are also my two middle initials. So Laura-EP-Sheehan on LinkedIn. Thank you. So I want to just say thank you again for a great conversation. I think it's been really insightful and I'm sure our listeners will find the conversation as interesting and as thought-provoking as I have. And the one thing I would ask everybody to think about is uh, Laura's question that she got posed uh, many years ago. If you can do anything, what would it be? If you can do anything, what would it be? Thank you, Laura, for your time today. It's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you, Gillian. I appreciate you and all that you do. for tuning in. I'd love to take a moment and tell you about our wellness retreats that will be happening in May 2022 in Mallorca, Spain. My team and I have created four immersive retreats that allows you to take a step back from all the stresses and strains of your daily life in order to focus on your physical, mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. From coaching mastery, mindfulness and meditation, conscious living and so much more, we offer a nurturing and truly experiential life-enriching environment where you'll reconnect, rediscover and reaffirm who you are and what you want in your life. If you're interested in learning more, head to the fullcircleglobal.com website and click the retreats tab. In the meantime, stay well, invite joy and curiosity into your life. See you soon.